Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, we're back again for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast, fresh off the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. And as we heard all weekend long, it was Bristol, baby. (laughs) In fact, uh, fit with all the great racing that we usually see at Bristol, back there on the concrete. We left the dirt behind in the spring, back on the concrete. Exciting racing, not even just in the Cup Series. I don't know, did you catch the two races ahead as well, the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series? Because (laughs) unbelievable. Um Unbelievable racing throughout, and the finishes were just yeah yeah fabulous. the truck the, yeah the truck race was uh, you know a couple couple extra crashes in there but uh, definitely the uh, the end of the Xfinity race was incredible Austin Cindric trying to get to the finish line there and uh, turning uh, Almondinger sideways across the finish line it was a uh, pretty spectacular neither guy was like well Cindric was mad a little bit but neither guy was like ready to fight each other it was no. you know both guys going forward at the end and they knew what they were getting into and they they knew what they were trying to do you know uh, unlike some things that happened Saturday night <laughs> super unfortunate uh, that all the cars got torn up after at the end of that Xfinity race but definitely made for an exciting finish and I know I've slipped it in here a few times and that if anyone follows me on social media I have a an affinity for the colleague racing team um, from Ohio Steve's from Ohio colleague racing technically kind of based in Ohio Matt colleagues uh, in Ohio does a lot of charity work and everything in Northeast Ohio where we're from so um, I just feel I know outside of you know being obviously huge uh, Ryan Blaney fan, also just a huge fan of just that team. So um, I'm really happy anytime they see some success. It might be a little bit different next year when they um, do move up into the Cup Series. I don't know how 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 I'll balance that out. Maybe it depends on their driver lineup. But um, excited for them. Uh, really cool to see that Truck Series finish. And then we were treated to a really good. Uh, Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race at Bristol. Um, what did you think of the racing on the Cup Series side? It wasn't as necessarily as dramatic, but it did. Final few laps did get a little bit dramatic. Yeah, there's something to, to the PJ One. They put the PJ One down um, Thursday and Friday, and then they didn't didn't put it down again Saturday. So it may have altered the racing a little bit, but uh, you still had a lot of guys, uh, you know, having to try and run high and low. Um, but that low line, you know, was the line after a while, and uh, Guys were, you know, getting up under underneath guys, trying to get trying to get by them, and uh, yeah, the racing was great. The cut line, the situation with the cut line, who was above the cut line, who was below the cut line, cut somebody cut a tire coming in pit. All of a sudden, you're watching Kyle Busch go down, 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 down. But then he gets back out there. He holds his position. You know, all those things that were happening that last fifty laps or so were just just fabulous, and it, it really makes. Uh, um, racing at bristol you know even more exciting than it really is because it's a great race to go to no matter what if you've ever been there uh the place uh as long as you're sitting within like the first you know up up the first 10 or 15 rows you can see everything on the track every you know the banking is so severe and everything is up above and um i even did a ride along there one time um with richard petty uh 
motorsports and uh, uh, their ride-alongs that they used to do. And the track is just unbelievable to, <laughs> to be uh, 120 miles an hour. One of those cars is just, uh, you know, it's, it's a rocket ship. And, uh, yeah, the racing was great uh, Saturday night. Yeah, tons and tons of excitement. Um, I know plenty of people have problems with this playoff format, but the way that they do these cutoff races just kind of makes it insane and does make those closing laps exciting. You know, you're sitting there watching to see if Eric Almarola is going to advance or not because he's, you know, one position out and he's getting passed and he passes somebody back, like you were saying. Makes everything really exciting. Um, but hey, it was an exciting night overall, pretty decent night for Blaney fans, but why don't we go ahead and jump right into our race recap from the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Ryan Blaney, Race Recap, Bristol Motor Speedway. All right, we had uh, stages of 125, 250, and then 500 laps for the finish. Uh, competition caution at lap 40, um, Ryan was uh, starting P10. Uh, they did have 10 sets of tires, which I think a lot of teams used a lot of tires as the night went on. Um, and to start the night, Ryan was 28 points above the cut line. And this is important because they figured out that if they finished certain places in the first two stages, that they'd be locked in depending on how other, other people did. So, uh, it was good to kind of have that, uh, that buffer to begin with. So even if there was a little bit of a mistake or a bobble, you know, you knew what you had to do to, to stay above. Um, the, the song, the intro song was, uh, early morning shakes, uh, by whiskey Myers. Uh, I am not familiar with the, the country music at all. Um, I don't know, Adam, you've ever heard that song before? I've heard of the artist. I don't know that I've heard that actual song and I meant to actually go back and listen to it, but, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll play, play a clip of it right here. We'll see. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's, it sounds like something Ryan would pick. That's all I would say. Yeah, there were a couple drivers that had uh, had uh, that uh, Whiskey Myers as their song choice, so he must be pretty popular there. And like I said, I'm not real familiar with uh, country, so so uh, the race starts on uh, by lap three. Ryan's uh, back to ninth, and um, at lap seven he gets passed. He's in tenth there, and lap twelve, you know, the action's pretty hot and heavy here. You know, it's how well you can maneuver not only uh, to pass the cars that are on your lap, but then they get in lap traffic pretty quickly. So um, at lap 15, he complains of being a little bit loose and um, lap 20, he does pass the 20 car gets back up to eighth at lap 27. He passes the 19 to get up to seventh. Then we get our competition caution at uh, lap 40 and they do a small air pressure adjustment. Um, they have four tires fuel. They go in seventh and come out eighth. And once again, choose cone all night long. They do not do a very good job of showing the choose cone most of the night. And really what lane you were in and how the restart went really determined how those first 15, 20 laps after a restart went for you. Uh, whether you were trying to claw bike guys that were a little bit slower or the, your line didn't move right, or somebody spun the tires or whatever. So, um, the leader was the nine at that point, And, uh, he took the top and Ryan took the top, um, <clears throat> And the four car actually slowed the low lane up. Uh, so Ryan got himself up to sixth on that restart. By lap 60, uh, sixth, and he's about uh, two tenths behind uh, the car in front of him. And uh, lap 70, he's about two and a half seconds behind the leader, the nine. Still in sixth, though. But now we're starting to navigate traffic. And if you're watching the race um, on TV, uh, 
that's that's the toughest part is that you don't know where the leader is versus traffic, how he gets around that traffic versus how you get around that traffic. And certain guys can close the gap uh, in 10, 15 laps if the traffic falls just right. And two guys are a lap down racing each other or trying to stay on the lead lap or whatever it is. Um, so lap 80, he's getting some pressure from behind from the 24. Um, at lap 89, he does pass the four. So he's up to fifth place. And you know, from 89 on to the end of the stage there, like I said, it's just navigating lap traffic. Uh, things spread out a little bit where, you know, there's no pressure from behind. Uh, he might be trying to get to the guy in front of him. But at uh, the end of stage one, the 11 wins the stage and Ryan finishes fifth right off the bat. Uh, great stage points to start the night. I was pumped up about that because if you listened to our last episode, that was the biggest thing I was nervous about was Ryan. Um, and I asked you that question, like, what do you think this team's going to come out? Are they going to come out and try to play it safe? Or are they going to come out and be aggressive? And I think Ryan kind of was ended up meeting in the middle there and got some solid stage points in that first stage that let me breathe a little bit easier going into the second stage. And then obviously after that. So, um, Super pumped. Uh, just keep putting money in the bank, as I say, uh, going along here in that race. Yeah. Uh, they uh, pit uh, here for the stage break uh, in fifth, out sixth. Uh, there's a penalty for the nine car. Um, Choose Cone is the uh, the five car is the leader, and he takes the high. Ryan takes the low lane. Um, after the restart, uh, he's in fifth. And at lap 142, he passes the four for fourth. At lap 151, he passes the two car for third. Um, at lap 168, with a caution for the six, the 99, the 23, the 10 car is smoking at this point. And uh, Ryan is in uh, third place. Um, now they pit, uh, they go in third, they come out fifth. Uh, the two and the four pass on pit road there. Uh, the choose cone against the, is the five car. Again, he takes the top. Brian takes the top this time. And, you know, the 10 car under that caution, um, you know, <laughs> it was amazing what they did. They, you know, where they changed a, a line there, um, under the caution, didn't lose a lap and, uh, stayed on that lead lap there, which was a pretty amazing. Yeah. And I thought at that point, that's like, at that point thought it was like that just saved their season. I don't know how they were able to, I don't know where they replaced it or tightened that oil line that was loose, causing the smoke early in the race. And they were forced to do it. I don't think they, they weren't going to come down and fix it unless they had to, but NASCAR, I think had said, you know, you need to come down and fix that. So how they did it in a lap, I don't know, but kudos to that team because it at least kept them alive uh, through those early stages of the race. So on this restart, uh, Ryan, I figured out was in row four there. And, um, he gets basically on the restart within a lap or two, all the way up to fourth place from that fourth row. Once again, that shows you what line is the most important line. You know, he picked it right there and, 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 uh, took advantage of it at, um, a lap one ninety, he passes the four car. He's up into third and a lap 200. We start to get a lot of lap traffic here. Uh, he's starting to close in on the 11 in second place because of the lap traffic. Um, the lap 215, the four does pass Ryan back. So Ryan's in fourth this place. Now we get a caution at lap 220 for the 78, the 38, and the 77. Um, and they red flag it at this point to, to clean up the mess, basically, which is great because, they, you know, they were getting close to the end of the stage and uh, didn't want to run a lot of laps off doing that. They're talking about staying out at this point, uh, depending on what the three uh, cars in front of them do. Um and it was kind of interesting because they were like playing, well, if, if we do pit, 
then we'll stay out at the, at the stage break. And that's what uh, they end up deciding to do. They do pit. Um, they come out basically 10th when they, when they line back up for the restart. So uh, fresh tires, but a couple cars in front of them don't have those fresh tires. So the top eight actually stayed out. Um, the Chusco and the leaders, the five takes the top, Ryan takes the top and they restart at lap 233. So 17 to go in the stage at lap 240. Um, you know, he's, he's having some issues trying to get around a couple of these guys with no tires, but uh, lap 242, he pa- passes the 18, 244, he passes the 23, 246, he passes the 20. So he's all the way up to seventh there by the end of the stage. That's where he ends up. Uh, Larson wins the stage. Ryan ends up finishing seventh in stage two. And then at that point, if I'm not, am I correct? Is that they are locked in? Yeah. Um, it takes a couple minutes on the radio there, um, but they're talking about it. And uh, right where first off, Ryan was. <laughs> Ryan was kind of apologizing about what line he chose uh, uh, for the restart what, what on the choose cone because he felt that he wasn't picking the right ones at different times. But, uh, you know, he's still working his way through the traffic. So, um, but uh, they do say they're probably staying out. And at that point, yeah, uh, Todd says we're locked in. So they do, they did the math um, while they were doing the, the, the lapse of caution there. And, figured it out and he was in pretty good shape there. So they, they end up staying out. Um, the leader is the four car and Ryan is, uh, second place at this point. So for the choose cone, the leader takes the high and Ryan takes the high. Um, the, the restart is at two fifty eight, and within, uh, seven laps, Ryan takes the lead and, um, boy, it was kind of crazy there. Cause he went a little high into that one turn on lap two sixty eight. And yeah, it was a little scary. <laughs> and he's done that, but he's done that at Bristol before while leading. Um, he's also been the, what also scared me was just the fact that he's been crashed while leading at Bristol also in the past mm-hmm. by some lap cars. So I was already nervous enough. I mean, I was happy they were locked in in the points, as you just said, at this point in the race. So we'd already breathed that total sigh of, sigh of relief, especially considering where we were at at this point last season. But, um, the car, you could tell, I mean, if you followed along with the scanner traffic throughout the night, he said it was loose a few different times, but really didn't say that much. I think some of that maybe is just because it's Bristol and you don't really, the drivers don't have a ton of time to talk or complain or anything about the cars, mm-hmm. but um, he wasn't really complaining about the car that much all night long and then just drove up there and took the lead. And um, I don't know, I was I was pretty optimistic at this point. I didn't think, you know, still kind of too early to think, oh, he's going to go out there and win the race, but um, still pretty excited. Yeah, you know, it was kind of weird because uh, it could have stayed green for a long time, too. It was one of those things where once they got through a restart and got about 20, 30 laps into a run, it could have stayed green for 100 some laps pretty easily. And, uh, you know, they did a good job there. Lap uh, 276, he's a four tenths uh, second lead, and they start going into the lap traffic at this point. And um, no matter who the leader was, but I mean, we're watching Ryan specifically at this point how they navigate the laugh traffic is amazing. Um, you know, Josh on the radio is trying to look ahead and tell them what that car that they're going to pass usually does. You know, he usually stays higher. He's been on the bottom, but how you do, you know, what you do when you get to the guy. And sometimes it takes a whole lap basically to pass a guy. Um, you have to set him up, but some of the guys do get out of the way. Um, pretty amazing stuff to watch kind of like carving through the traffic there. Um, 
at lap 295 uh it's you know it starts to cause a little bit of an issue there you know he's uh, getting some uh, pressure and at lap 308 uh, the four does pass him so he's back to second place at this point at lap 314 he's about a second back um of the four car at lap 324 the five passes him so he's in third at this point and at lap 330 the 11 passes he's back to fourth and at 336 we get the caution for the double zero with the tire issue um they pit at this point going in fourth to come out fifth they do some stagger and a little pressure here um at 18 is the car passed him on pit road there the choose cone the leader is the five he takes the top ryan also takes the top um so he's in the fourth row at this point and at, uh, 372, he passes the 18 gets to fourth at 379. Um, uh, the nine passes him and he's back in fifth and uh, there's a caution, uh, lap 388 again for <laughs> looks like for the double zero again. And, uh, he's in fifth at this plate point. Um, and, uh, they take the track bar up around and, uh, he ends up 12 for the choose cone at this point. And the leader takes the top. Ryan takes the top. And this is where Josh ends up on TV here. <laughs> they do is they show show to just to talk about the, where the spotters are standing and how they're communicating. And uh, yeah, I just kept saying, I'm like, show Josh, show Josh, show Josh. And then they, they are showing one angle of it. I'm like, ah, okay, maybe we won't get to see him. And then they switched angles of the camera. I'm like, boom, up, up, there he is. <laughs> And I knew I'm really glad um, I didn't have the capability at the time to take a screen grab or something, but we did uh, get a screen grab from our friend uh, Stellanarius there that I shared after the race. So just in case anybody had missed that uh, Josh in the wild sighting there, we, we, we reposted that. Yeah. Uh, the restarts at lap 396. Uh, by lap 399, there's a caution for the 11. Um, once again, like Ryan is kind of like mad at himself for the, for the line there that he picked um he's uh 13th for the choose cone at this point they're staying out of course the leader is the five he takes the top ryan takes the low ends up in row six at this point lap 407's restart and by lap 410 he's in 10th by 414 he passes the 21 for ninth at 416 he passes the 19 for eighth at lap 421 he passes the 43 and the 48 for sixth at lap 444 he passes the 18 for fifth uh, lap 450, he's only 2.3 seconds back of the lead from fifth. Um, 265 is where the nine car has his issues. Um, and Ryan ends up picking up a position on the track with this. Um, Chase comes in and gets, uh, gets his tires fixed to head back out on the track. Um, at lap 470, the four does lead. And uh, Ryan is about three seconds back of the leader in fourth position. Um, at lap 484, he's getting pressure from behind from the 48. And while this is, you know, we're getting close to the end here, and that's when all the other drama that we see on TV happens with uh, the nine car gets back out there. He blocks a, a little bit for um, for his teammate. And, and Larson does catch Harvick and end up passing Harvick. Um, it's funny as like a lot of people were saying, well, that's cheating. That's cheating. And, uh, it's kind of crazy because they wanted to point out that the, uh, the incident where the Michael Waltrip cars did what they did, but the Michael Waltrip cars that did what they did, they actually caused a caution. 
yeah. on the track. This is not causing a caution. This is blocking for a teammate. And I don't even sure if Chase was really blocking him. Chase had fresh tires and was able to run similar lap times, actually probably better lap times, and running the same line and so forth. So, you know, he helped his teammate without a doubt, but it wasn't cheating per se, I, it, you know. Here, here are my thoughts, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but um, I had to br- I had to bring it up just so you could. I knew you have something. It wasn't cheating, for sure, one hundred percent not cheating. Anybody, I mean, they love to bring up that Michael Waltrip incident for literally anything. They did that all night long. I mean, honestly, the truck race has probably been even closer to somebody trying to manipulate a race or letting a teammate win with what happened with John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith. But in this instance, um, just some things I want to point out. Um, Kyle Busch, when he had his tire issue, came down pit road, only changed right side tires or left side, depending on, I don't remember which side his tire was down, came back out in the kind of the same position Chase was, went up with just those two tires, passed the leaders, and then checked out and continued on with his race. Chase Elliott came down after his incident, changed all four tires on the car, came out, passed the leaders, and then... I think just mirror drived the whole rest of the way. And I don't know that in his mind he was trying to uh, slow Harvick down in an effort for specifically Kyle Larson to win. I think Ryan could have been in second. Um, Bowman, anybody. I mean, I guess that would have been a teammate too. But I think anybody, literally anybody, could have been in second place. And Chase would have been taking away Harvick's line because he was angry at Harvick specifically. And I don't think anybody else. So... Um, I've, I would, I'm just pointing out the Kyle Busch thing because he had just two fresh tires and went on and he was only what a fifth place car at that time. Chase Elliott was cut a tire down from the lead and then went in and got four fresh tires and then came out and then just parked it in front of Harvick. So people could say that he wasn't trying to do what he was doing. I think he 100% was, was it cheating? Absolutely not. He was just a, a spurned driver trying to get, uh, something back. He didn't make any contact with Harvick. He didn't do anything blatant. He just kind of took his line away and uh, lap traffic kind of caught up with everybody and Larson was able to pass him by. So um, yeah, that's that. Those, those are my thoughts, but I definitely wanted to just point out that little tidbit uh, that mm-hmm. Kyle Busch changed to and was able to check out Chase mm-hmm. stayed in there, lost a couple more laps and changed all four and came out and miraculously wasn't able to drive away mm-hmm. uh, from the leaders that he was leading at the time that his tire went down in the first place. So um, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, the, we can talk about the fireworks that did happen a little bit after the race, but, mm-hmm. um, but again, that's Bristol. Yeah. So Larson does take the win here and Ryan finishes fourth uh, position and uh, kind of interesting TV. Um, you know, basically turns their eyes to what happens on pit road and behind the pit wall. And, um, was that, uh, the one, uh, who was the one reporter there that uh, was trying to record the, the, the action. Um, yeah. And that was actually the second round. Cause yeah, Harvick and chase got, you know, face to face for a little while, right on pit road after they, uh, Harvick kind of bumped chase coming down pit road after they had their lug nuts checked. And, um, they were separated. It did seem there's a point there where Harvick was getting a little bit more animated when he was getting pushed away that maybe I thought they, they could have resulted into fisticuffs. Um, and then now there's like a total gif moment now of Harvick, um, slamming his helmet 
mm-hmm. on the roof of his car and just having I don't know I mean I've seen him I've seen that stare from him before when he's been mad but you haven't seen it from him in a few years so he just looked angrier than I've seen anybody be angry in a long time but yeah later on they I guess met up again out back toward the haulers and yeah that the reporter was Jordan Bianchi from the athletic yeah, that's um, it. being a journalist myself I'll stand up for him um, just doing his job. It, it's worth mentioning that there was at least two uh, to three other reporters also in that same area doing the exact same thing, but they didn't happen to be in Harvick's uh, um, view, yeah. sightline. So <laughs> it did look, it was, I mean, I laughed it off a little bit more, the fact that Jordan kept putting his phone up and down every time Harvick went away. I think a Harvick of 10 years ago probably would have punched him, um, but... Uh, Harvick, uh, more veteran and a little bit more level-headed, didn't. And honestly, I was shocked when the two of them, they just agreed to go and they walked back into the nine hauler. And, um, I mean, Harvick came out and didn't necessarily look super happy. He didn't necessarily slam the door, but he didn't just close the door nicely. And, um, but we'll see. I think I'm assuming it's not necessarily behind them, but I don't think what we're going to see is, um, what happened with what was that uh Logano and Truex in the past or somebody or Kenseth or Kenseth and Logano in the past where someone's got to wreck somebody out of the playoffs in this next round but they are definitely not going to be friends going forward and um but that makes things interesting that's what keeps people watching i mean my wife mm-hmm. said um she actually uh fell asleep towards the end of that race and the next day I'm catching her up on it. And she's like, and the words that she said were, and people wonder why we like NASCAR so much. <laughs> so I loved I, th- it. there's, there was a couple things like, first off, I, I couldn't, um, th- it's a public area. So as far as him being there, covering it, he's allowed to cover it. He's cred- credentialed to be down there. And, uh, wh- you know, whether he's standing right next to you or a couple feet away from you, you know, um, Harvick going up to him and saying something that that was okay. They didn't look like they were yelling at anybody, but I think he was just trying to tell him, Hey, you know, let us talk for a couple minutes. You know, the guy who gets in Bianchi's face and stands there, I don't know who that guy is. And nobody seems to know. Uh, I got some, there's some reporters that are trying to find out who he is because he had to be credentialed to be down there. And with the, with the regulations they have right now, they're, they're very specific about who's allowed to be there. Uh, that guy, you know, uh, you know, and they said Kevin has an entourage, you know. So when he went to the into the uh, nine hauler with Chase, it was just the two of them, which was nice because now you got nobody else standing there making eyes or rolling their, you know, making faces or nothing. Um, so but I think once Chase sees the video though of the initial incident, um, he might have to he might have to back off a little bit because it looked if you look if you go back and watch it again, it looked like Herbert got loose under him. It didn't look like Harvick was trying to hit him. It looked like Harvick got loose and overcorrected and, 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 and hit him just right. And you know what? That, that stuff does happen, you know, yeah, especially, you know, especially at Bristol. It's going to happen. And um, back to just the one last thing on that Jordan Bianchi filming thing was um, if you didn't follow up, he, they have their own podcast too with the athletic called the Teardown, mm-hmm. And he, you know, pretty much at the beginning of that podcast, Jeff Gluck really kept trying to pressure him into talking about it more and more. But he basically said, I was doing my job. 
there's nothing else to to say and one thing that i really respect is the fact that he never released the video he easily could have released the video and you could have heard the words that arvik was saying to him about filming it in the first place but he basically said the video was for me and for my reporting and that's why i had it for that so i don't need to release it i can you know write my story based on what my observations were so and he was i need tonight again i heard him on another radio interview and he basically said the same thing again like you know this is a non-story i was doing my job he was fired up no i'm not going to tell you what he said to me that's between uh he and i and he said it wouldn't benefit anybody to even talk about it so Total respect for Jordan in in that uh, situation. He did look kind of like a goofball a little bit for people maybe outside of the industry or not really understanding, you know, why he was there, what he was doing. I mean, it, it, again, I chuckled at it too. But, um, but hey, I mean, we have controversies like this all the time. Uh, he kind of just caught up in the middle of it. And, um, yeah, Harvick's entourage, yeah, that was the only other annoying thing about that whole thing. I think it was one of his PR folks that was with yeah. him in between he and Chase that whole time, and you you mentioned people rolling their eyes and that kind of stuff. I was glad that they went the holler because we stopped looking at that guy uh, yeah. making, making faces while anytime Chase talked. So I don't think he helped anything. And mm. um, so and, and one of the things, this you know, the, one of the reasons I brought it all up is this also drew away time. Uh, I would have thought they would have interviewed Ryan and maybe who, you know, a couple of the other guys who finished in the top five or six and, you know, they didn't have any time for it because they were too busy. Yeah. <laughs> chasing that down. Coming, which is, you know, it is the story, but I would have really liked to hear, uh, heard, uh, Ryan's thoughts after he got out of the car about, uh, their finish and moving on to the next round of the playoffs. Um, Ryan does a nice job of putting a little snippet out, uh, usually on the day after or, or the Monday after, um, where he puts that little picture up, shows you where he finished in each stage and, and a little quote, um, you know, moving on is the biggest thing right now. And, uh, you know, the, the playoff points, uh, ended up, uh, they realigned them and they move that cut line now. So, you know, four guys get eliminated. And, um, what's interesting now is the 12 guys that are left, there's a ton of symmetry there. You have four Fords, four, uh, Chevys, four Toyotas, you know, all the guys from Gibbs, all the guys from Hendrick, all the guys from uh, from Penske, and then the one uh, Stuart Haas car m- making up the last Ford. Um, so teammates, uh, at this point, you know you're going to work together maybe at Talladega, but in the next three races, you can't really work with your teammate too much because four people have to be eliminated in three weeks. And uh, you know, uh, right now, I think Ryan is the best of the Fords. Um, you know, out there, but, uh, you know, these next three weeks will tell. I would say that's absolutely true. And you just mentioned the cut lines moved up. So at this point, Ryan Blaney sits, uh, technically fourth in the standings, I think due to, well, I guess we'll see, I guess we won't really know what the, uh, the tiebreaker I think will be best finish in the round, but right now he and Denny Hamlin are tied, uh, at plus 11 to the cut line. So, um, his teammates, Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, Joey sits just a or, uh, and they actually, no, they both sit just below the cut line in, in ninth mm-hmm. and 10th at minus one and minus six points. So the two Penske teammates right now are below the cut line, but Steve and I were just talking a little bit before the show that, um, that's not a lot of points there. That's a stage that's, you know, it, nobody is safe outside of Kyle Larson, at least in this round who, which Kyle Larson is plus 46 points to the cut line. So Ryan's just plus 11. So it is even more crucial going into this round that he has good finishes early on in those stages, just in case something happens towards the end of these races. So 
Um, but again, it's still very exciting going into this round of 12 here. And Ryan Blaney won, like you said, being the top forward. Also just being at the top of the standings, you know, within the first five there. And a legitimate shot. Not just, you know, just snuck his way into this round. He did what he needed to do. Um, and got into the round with, you know, several uh, points here at this point and a legitimate shot at a championship. And um, I know Chase did it last year, and he's pretty young. Ryan's 26 years old. Um, he has, you know, decades plus left in this sport, but it's really exciting the fact that he's already uh, kind of competing legitimately for championships uh, at this point. Three wins on the season. At this point, the season could be over, and it's already career year for him. And um, I don't know. We've been pretty blessed this year being Blaney fans. And I'll go on all the way back to that first, you know, couple months of the season when everybody was down and out on this team. And here they are uh, performing at the highest level of the year. So, um, yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps up our race recap from the NRA uh, Bristol night race. Why don't we go ahead and take our weekly look back through the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. First up, we're going back to September 23rd, 1962. Nelson Stacy steers clear of mechanical mayhem to win the Old Dominion 500 at Martinsville. Fireball Roberts and Fred Lorenzen provide fireworks while battling for the lead in the early stages. Lorenzen had bumped Roberts several times until finally Fireball jammed on the brakes. Lorenzen hit Roberts at top speed and retired with a broken radiator. Up next, we go to September 25th, 1966. Again, Fred Lorenzen is flagged the winner of the Old Dominion 500 at Martinsville, but has his victory stripped due to an oversized fuel tank. Three days later, NASCAR reverses its decision and restores Lorenzen's victory, even though the fuel cell in his Ford held 23.1 gallons of fuel, 1.1 gallons too many. NASCAR announces that since the fuel cell in question was bought directly from a Firestone dealer, the spirit of the rules wasn't encroached. Moving on to September 23rd, 1973, Bobby Allison runs down Richard Petty on the final lap to win the Wilkes 400 at North Wilkesboro Speedway. It is Allison's second win of the season. Up next, we jump ahead to September 22nd, 1991. Harry Gant, the new Mr. September, grabs his fourth consecutive win at Martinsville Speedway, overcoming a crash late in the race that knocks him a lap off the pace. And finally, we go to Saturday, September 21st, 2013. Ryan Blaney scores his first ever checkered flag for Team Penske at Kentucky Speedway in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. This was the first of two Xfinity Series wins Ryan would score out there in Kentucky. And Steve, I just want to go ahead jump from our normal format here and just give you the top 10 finishers from that Xfinity Series race in September of 2013. Obviously, Ryan Blaney won the race in the number 22 for Team Penske. In second was Austin Dillon. In third was Matt Crafton. In fourth was Sam Hornish Jr. In fifth was Alex Bowman. In sixth was Drew Herring. In seventh was Brian Vickers. In eighth was Jeb Burton. In ninth was Cole Witt. And rounding out the top 10 in that race at Kentucky Speedway was Michael Annette. So, some guys in that list made it up into the Cup Series. Uh, some of these guys are still in the Xfinity Series, and some of these guys have moved on to other racing series. But I wanted to make sure uh, anytime when at least I remember that there is a Blaney-related 
tidbit that can be thrown into this week in NASCAR history. I thought that was a good one. His first career NASCAR Xfinity Series victory coming in 2013 for Team Penske in the Kentucky 300. And unfortunately, man, that Kentucky Speedway, Ryan was good there. He has, a, he has what, a couple of wins there, a couple of wins at Iowa, and both of those tracks are off the schedule. We, so we went to Kentucky a couple of years ago and uh, for, for the cup race, and he finished second. Yeah, one of his bet, better tracks, and uh, sad to see that one go, but I think uh, maybe that's one that could come back. If you're a fan of Chicagoland, that one's not coming back. So uh, on that note, uh, we'll wrap up this week in NASCAR history. Tune in again next week, and we'll be sure to take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. All right, Steve, I think it's time now that we move on into our race preview for the South Point 400 Sunday, September 26th at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You can catch the race at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, that's on Sunday, so we've had a rash there of some Saturday night races back to the Sunday time slot, but it is still technically, for those of you on the East Coast, still kind of a night race uh, since it's out there out there in the desert in Las Vegas. You can catch the race again 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. You can hear it on PRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. The stage breaks in this race are going to come at lap 80, lap 160, and the checkered flag is going to fall at lap 267. 400.5 miles is the distance. And the exciting part about this weekend's race when it comes to Ryan Blaney is that this is statistically possibly his best track. I don't know if the on the full list, but at least one of his best racetracks doesn't have a win there, but he does have seven top 10s, four top fives in just 10 starts with an average finish of 9.2 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. If you take a look back at his last four starts at the track, going back to the fall race of 2019, he finished fifth in the spring race of 2020, finished 11th fall race he finished seventh and then going back to the spring race earlier this year he finished in the fifth position so again seven top fives or four top fives seven top tens a career average finish of 9.2 and could not start this round of 12 of the playoffs at a better racetrack when it comes to uh ryan blaney viva las vegas (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's so money he doesn't even know it um i'm gonna drop all my vegas lines in there um, yeah, this, uh, what's interesting is earlier in the year, uh, they finished fifth, but what we forget is they started that race 26th and, um, Penske has speed at the mile and a half. So even though they're talking about, uh, you know, all the Gibbs cars or all the Hendricks cars, Penske has speed just going back to that race started 26th and, um, by lap 13, uh, he was all the way up to 12th. And, you know, he got himself into the top 10 basically by the end of the first stage. So just like you see some of these other guys when they get their penalties and so on and so forth and come from the back to the front, um, the Penske cars have what it takes. And, you know, the best part about this week's race is he doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, knock on wood, no inspection problems. Um, we start in second um, and right next to uh, the pole sitter, uh, Kyle Larson get a good restart, get on out there. And, uh, there's one guy who knows how to chase Kyle Larson down on a mile and a half. It's definitely Ryan. Uh, so, you know, Ryan's great on, uh, conserving tires on long runs on these mile and a halfs. And, uh, hopefully that's, what we got a lot of long green flag runs, some really good pit stops on green flag pit stops. And, uh, I think we could see the, the, the 12 car could be up front most of the day. 
you're mentioning the fact that Team Penske has speed at this track, and that is historically accurate, going all the way back to the 2014 season. Uh, just running through this list here, Brad won in 2014, Brad won again in 2016, he won again in 2018, then Joey Logano uh, jumped into this, won it in 2019, then he won again in 2020. He won that race last year that we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier that Ryan uh, was actually kind of up there in position to win. That would have been that spring race of 2020. And there's some pit strategy stuff that kind of happened at the end of that race. Ryan ended up not winning the race, but teammate teammate Joey Logano went to victory lane. So um, look for those three. We, we mentioned the fact that Brad and Joey are below the cut line right now. But if those two have good races, uh, hopefully not as good as Ryan, but uh, if those two have good races, overall that will lift the whole team. So um, this could be a way for them to kind of help get their way into that round of eight too. Yeah, this is a, you know, now we're at the point where it's going to go from uh, 12 teams to four in the next three rounds. And of course, if three of the guys are, um, are guy that win the race, three, these three races um, are guys in that, that point scheme, then basically you're trying to be one of the other five guys and, and to bump the other four out. And uh, stage points are huge now. Um, all the top 12 cars will start up in the, you know, in the top 12, barring some sort of uh, issue each week. Um, Talladega, of course, is a crapshoot. Um, and uh, the Roval it has its own <laughs> interesting things that will happen that day. But <clears throat> this is the one regular kind of racetrack, uh, mile and a half. Uh, we know what to expect. Uh, we know what the cars should be able to do and what the adjustments should be able to do. So uh, I see, you know, them playing it pretty, you know, and, I, and it's not even safe. They're up front already. They hang up front. They get a bunch of stage points. They get the stage points, stage one, get the stage points, stage two, and uh, maybe have a shot to win this thing at the end, as long as nothing falls off. And, uh, you know, this could be a good weekend here to, to set up the whole round of the playoffs. I'm sorry if you just mentioned it, but yeah, according to our favorite Bob math outside pole. So like you said, already starting up front in this race, um, just hopefully they just have, they just need a solid, they need to have solid races. It'd be great if they went out and won this race, not have to worry about the next two. Uh, but this round just sets up so well for this 12 team that, um, a set of solid races in the first two, uh, could potentially get them into a decent shape to lock themselves in going into the round of eight, which be, would be phenomenal. Um, and something to look forward to. I don't want to put a, a downer on anything here, but just something to watch out when it comes to who can win at Las Vegas. But we do have to remember that Kyle Larson uh, got his first win with Team Hendrick in that number five car in the spring race earlier this year um, and went out and won that race. So obviously Larson will be coming off that win that he got this past weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. So uh, the whole series really is still chasing that five car. And I think we said earlier, he's plus 46 to the good on that cut line right now. So um, he doesn't need to win by any means, but uh, he's kind of out there picking them off uh, as, as pretty much whenever, uh, whenever he wants. When they have a stake-free race, that five car is uh, either close to winning or winning. So, um, But you have to do remember that two of the races this year that Ryan Blaney went to victory lane in, he bested that five car. So I would not mind see, seeing a late race pass uh, again by this 12 team past Kyle Larson to get his fourth victory of the year. I don't think you'd be against that either. No. Uh, for Kyle to fall out of this round of the playoffs, he'd basically have to crash two of the three races. Um, 
for you know for them to drop in points and i mean crash i mean early in a race where he doesn't even get any stage points um so yeah they're in good shape and it's it's really easy to run from the front and that's that's what's great about ryan's starting position is you know barring anybody doing anything stupid um you know run up front and uh, be one of the leaders all day long and you don't have to worry about anything bad happening to you you know so I, i i can't wait for saturday or sunday night yeah, so again, remember that's Sunday night this week, September 22nd at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You can catch the Cup Series race at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. You can listen to it on PRN and, of course, as always, on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So, Steve, up next on the podcast, why don't we go ahead and go back through our fantasy our Team Blade and NASCAR Fantasy Live picks from this past weekend's Bristol Night Race, and I'll just run through what my starting lineup was um, this past week. I had in my starting lineup Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Kyle Busch. I had Tyler Reddick in the garage for this race. Um, there was a point here when Elliott was leading Kyle was in the t- Kyle Busch was in the top five, and Brad had a decent race going early on, and obviously Ryan was in the top five there toward the end. There was a point when I was pretty high up in those standings as they ran. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out in the end. For my bonus picks, I had picked Chase Elliott to win. I had picked him to be the top Chevrolet. Those did not work out. I had Brad Kazlowski as a top Ford. That didn't work out. I had Denny Hamlin as a top Toyota. That didn't work out, but at least I did have Chevrolet and Hendrick Motorsports in there. So I did get at least those two bonus picks. Um, But like I said, if I had those two, plus if Chase had won the race, which I'm okay that he did it, uh, but it would have been a decent fantasy points day for me. Uh, What were you looking at uh, during this race? I did have Larson and Harvick uh, in the lineup. Um, I, for some reason, I don't know why I had Logano in the lineup. I should have had Ryan instead. But I was saving Ryan, I think, for uh, for like a week like this week. So, um, yeah, I didn't really have anything with the uh, bonus picks that worked out there. Uh, <laughs> wah, wah. So, you know, but I did all right with um, Hamlin and Truex also finishing in the top ten. So, um Kind of, kind of lucked out this week. I didn't drop a lot, but uh, I kind of hung out there just outside the top ten. So a lot of people did end up having some pretty bad races here, and that's part of the reason why Steve's joking about not having bonus picks because he may or may not have let that slip his mind this week. But um, not to spoiler alert here, he did still end up with the eleventh most points earned in this race with two hundred and nine. Now where that differs there, where I'm saying that you know it seems like a lot of people had some bad races, is the fact that I'll run through this top ten here from points earned at Bristol. So in first we had Spider Monkey with two hundred fifty four. So Steve was back there, you know, just under 50 points below. So that's kind of where those bonus picks hurt you a little bit. Mm -hmm. But since everybody else was kind of down, you still ended up there toward the top. In tied for second, we had USC, US Calvin in no hesitation with 249 points. In fourth, we had Team Penske. In fifth, we had Supermod. In sixth, we had Doug K0525. Uh, Seventh, I think the first time uh, in the top 10 results here is my wife's team, Rogers T., there with 219 points in eighth we had hamilton 1940 in ninth we had Glitterbugs, and rounding out the top 10 we had joe lopez one with 212 points as i mentioned steve finished in the 11th position in points earned and my team ended up 18th with 201 points earned 
Um, let's take a look at the playoff standings, just because I like running through that uh, for reasons mm-hmm. you will see. Mm-hmm. And first, we have Doug K0525 with 716 points so far in the playoffs. Second, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In third, we have U.S. Calvin. In fourth, we have Supermod. Tied for fifth, we have No Hesitation with 695 points. And my team, Team Blaney Admin, also tied for fifth there. In seventh, we have Spider Monkey. In eighth, we have Team Penske. In ninth, we have your team, Team Mez, with 671 points. And rounding out the top ten, we have Rochi12 with 662 and to continue on here, let's just go take a look at our overall standings. These are points earned throughout the entire season so far in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. In the first position, we still have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing with 5,693 points. In second, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In third, we have Doug K0525. In fourth, we have Moon Cup. In fifth, we have Rogue Tough. In sixth, we have the Dalai Lama 4. In 7th, we have Spider Monkey. In 8th, we have Glitterbugs. Back up into the top 10 here, we have Mez12 in the 9th position with 5,358 points. And in 10th, we have Go Larson, 5,352 points. And I think I've slipped a little bit here down to the 20th position, Team Plenty Admin, with 5,152 points. So... We're going to be heading into the Las Vegas race we just mentioned this weekend. If you haven't started Ryan Blaney, I think that I will have Blaney in my lineup, potentially have him locked into the top Ford for this race. But his teammates there in Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski historically have run really well at Las Vegas. It also seems like that if you're looking for Ford specifically, that Kevin Harvick in that Stuart Haas racing team has also found some speed within the last few weeks heading into these playoffs. Um Kyle Larson, if you haven't used him, I know I've used him in that, I think in the last race. No, I didn't use him in the last race, actually. So I think I was saving him. So Kyle Larson's probably another lock for my lineup here at Las Vegas. Is there anybody else, Steve, that you're specifically looking at to throw into your lineup this week? Or do you have any sleepers that maybe people aren't looking to? Maybe Kurt Busch has won this race last year. He just got knocked out of the playoffs. Might have some motivation to prove that he's still a race-running driver here in 2021. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's the Kyle Larson show. It's the Hendrick show, you know, um, as far as a sleeper though, uh, maybe somebody like Bowman, you know, he, he does, does pretty well at these kind of tracks or Byron. And then they're not really sleepers cause they're Hendrick drivers, but they're guys that, that are a little bit lower in the standings and, uh, you know, they're right near that cut line. So they really kind of need this race to just make sure that nothing bad happens to them. Um, you know, Elliot, uh, hopefully Elliot and Harvick don't end up on the track near each other. <laughs> um, you know, because, you know, I don't think they would do anything to ruin each other's race at this point. Cause they don't want to, you know, hurt themselves in points, but, uh, man, something weird like that. I just afraid of something weird like that happened with any of these guys in the top 12, you know, a, a tire issue or anything like that. I really don't want it to happen. I want, I want the racing to be what determines, you know, the points. Cause I think if everybody races clean, uh, I, I can see, you know, guys like Ryan, uh, guys like uh, Larson, guys like Truex up there all day long battling each other. So, you know, I, it's anybody in the top 12 basically right now, that I think can win the, this weekend. It's kind of funny that you mentioned Bowman as like a sleeper pick, and I've heard other people kind of talk about that. The guy has three wins this season, just like Ryan Blaney does, but he's really quiet about it. Um, not super flashy, isn't really in your face, doesn't seem to really have like huge social media presence or anything. So I think that's why he is kind of 
just you know a little bit more behind the scenes and will sneak up on you but he is very good we mentioned that race where ryan blaney was leading at las vegas uh, a year ago and that joe ended up winning uh or alex was up there too um so he runs really well at the mile and a half tracks much like his other team hendrick counterparts do so yeah alex bowman's probably another person you want to look at going into this weekend's uh race at las vegas motor speedway especially when it comes to uh, your roster for this upcoming weekend with the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. And go ahead and jump in, see, uh, make some picks, remember your picks. Even if you haven't logged in in a while, just have some fun. Uh, see, like you, Steve says each week, see if you can jump into our top 10. So we've wrapped up our fantasy uh, preview there, but what I want to go ahead and do, uh, after our podcast came out last week, there were some leaks out there and some rumblings about what was going to happen for 2022, but I just want to set aside a few minutes for us to just go ahead and discuss the newly announced and officially announced Cup Series schedule for 2022, starting off with kind of a major change that there had been some rumblings about for a couple of weeks that they're actually going to go ahead and kick off uh, the season with an exhibition race. They're going to move the clash from Daytona International Speedway all the way out to the West Coast to Los Angeles and not just saying Los Angeles and being near Los Angeles. They are going to be in Los Angeles at the LA Coliseum, um, home of the USC Trojans, home of a couple of Olympics, a World Series, some Super Bowls, an iconic venue in the United States, and they are going to go ahead, go ahead and build a temporary asphalt track in the center of the coliseum it's going to be a quarter mile so if you are a fan of uh, short track racing around the country a lot of those small time tracks are quarter mile we have one that we go to down here in florida regularly so i'm familiar with the size and um they are going to open this race up to the entire cup series which is different from the clash in the past where you had to you know win a pole last year you had to win a race or be a stage winner uh in this case it's going to be an invitational for the entire cup series but they still are only going to start about 20 to 25 cars in this race after they go through qualifications and heat races so um First off, yeah, quarter mile is a small track for Cup Series cars, uh, but I've seen plenty of races with super late models and modifieds out there on quarter mile tracks with about 20 to 25 cars. So size will not be an issue. Um, but I think, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Steve. Um, one thing that I've heard a lot of people say is just don't worry about the money side of things. This isn't coming out of your pocket to build a track, a temporary track. It's not coming out of your pocket to have the haulers driven across the country the week, a uh, couple weeks before the Daytona 500. So if you don't worry about that, I think this is just going to make a splash. It's the week before the Super Bowl. There's already going to be a ton of media and international travelers and other fans in the city. Uh, getting ramped up for that race. I just think it's a perfect time for NASCAR to take a week where there's not, you know, a lot of big time sports happening and kick off the season and debut this new next gen car all at once. I know I've been <laughs> kind of stealing a, a lot of the airtime here. Uh, so what are your thoughts, Steve? Well, that's the thing is that the composite body, at least this will be the first test of what it'll do. And what a great way to test it by bumping into each other a lot and, and, and bang, beating and banging and, and seeing how the bodies hold up. And, uh, you know, just like the problems with the cut tires this last weekend, uh, you know, that doesn't happen as much with this composite body in, in, in the Xfinity series. So, um, and the new car itself, you know, just to see how it'll act and react in a short track situation. Um, you know, this is a, a television market and, and, and what people are forgetting about all these changes to the schedule and everything else is that it's a television show. Um, uh, 
Attent- fans and attendants pay a certain amount of bills, but the main people that pay the bills are Fox and NBC. Um, they get the sponsors to put the races on TV and they need eyeballs and they're going to do different things and try them out. And they're going to ask NASCAR to try these things out. But, uh, the LA market is a huge television market and, uh, this is, should, should be a fun race to, to just kind of see well, who does what, um, yeah, don't worry about where it's at or whatever, you know, they got to break some traditions here and there. You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet basically. So, uh, let's see what happens in February. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And like you said, they get a chance to experiment. Yeah. They're not going to be experimenting too much with the, on the arrow side of things when it comes to this race car, but this composite body will be a whole new thing to the series. They've been running it in the Xfinity series, uh, with great results. Cause you can see those guys. I mean, some of its skill level where they end up making a little bit more contact with each other than they do on the cup series side. But you're not going to see as much, you know, scraping the wall and your tire going down immediately or, you know, accidentally running into somebody and your tire going down immediately. There's a little bit more give in these things. They kind of pop back into place after they've been dented a little bit. So I think that might actually give these drivers uh, uh, some more encouragement to beat and bang a little bit more. And they will. I mean, you saw it just at Bristol on a half mile track. We're cutting that in half again, going to a quarter mile track inside this track. I know they're still messing a little bit with how banked it will be. I don't think it'll be super flat, but there will be just some slight banking in it. They're doing still some test runs. I think again, partnering with iRacing like they've done for some of these other initiatives that they've gone into. So again, they're going to kick off the season next year, Sunday, February 6th, with the clash at the Coliseum at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum out there in California. Still have that normal slate of two dual races coming on February 17th. The Daytona 500, of course, is going to be happening Sunday, February 20th. Now let's just talk about some of the changes that you're going to see uh, specifically kind of early on in the season. They're moving up the road course race at circuit of the americas into march which i think is a good decision i think some of this is just because they went to circuit of the americas this year and it didn't really get a fair shake because the weather ended up being horrible i think there's a better chance when they bringing this race up into march it might be a little chilly in texas but i don't think there's going to be as much rain and i mean i don't know about you but i think i'm looking forward to seeing that track uh being able to showcase without maybe weather being such of an element like it was this past year yeah, I think anytime they change a the schedule, they give it a year or two, you know, to see what would happen. Uh, I, I really do want to see what happens when they run on dry conditions there. I really want to see uh, when they you know, come out of that hairpin turn and go down that long straight down, the, you know, that backstretch area kind of a thing. Um, want to see how they act and react and uh, see who has, a, you know, a good car there. Once again, though, everything that we're going to talk about as far as these tracks and everything are all going to be brand new. There's brand new data because that car is going to be brand new. And we're not going to know a lot about how it's going to act and react probably till about 10 to 15 races into the season. So, And that's going to be at that race March 27th at Circuit of the Americas. That's going to be the first time this car is on a road course. So that's going to be a big week weekend data-wise for these teams uh, because they're going to be prepping for Uh, five more road course races throughout the remainder of that year. Um, You'll notice that there is not a Daytona road course race on the the schedule this year. That was because, if you don't remember, last year the race at California Speedway 
was canceled uh, due to COVID protocols. So they kind of just slid that Daytona road course race in. So if you're a fan of that race, unfortunately, they won't be returning there, at least this year. Uh, the next kind of quirk in the schedule here, where Sunday, April 17th, they're doing the Food City Dirt Race again at Bristol Motor Speedway, coming back for a second year doing that. I think we already knew they were going to do that. We just weren't necessarily sure on the date. Um, the thing that makes this a little bit different this year is it's going to be run on Easter Sunday, but it is going to be a night race. Uh, they had some issues. I mean, I know you were there briefly before the weather rolled in at Bristol uh, for the dirt race last year, and they had some issues there with visibility during the daytime with the dirt flying in the air and everything. So they've kind of listened to feedback from the drivers and the, the track prep crew and the track itself. They've moved this to a night race. Do you have any thoughts on this being held on Easter? I mean, we've already raced on Mother's Day. We've raced on some other holidays. I think at least on my, from my viewpoint, the good thing about Easter is most of the Easter activities are morning and lunchtime activities and maybe some dinner. So after you've had your dinner and sat down with your family, if you do celebrate Easter, um, you can watch some dirt racing at Bristol. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing with the dirt at Bristol, and I know this past weekend that a lot of people said, oh, they should just not do dirt at Bristol. Once again, this is about TV, you know, that gets a lot of eyeballs. A lot of people watched this past spring. What would be nice is that it goes off on time. You know, the, hopefully the weather doesn't affect it where, you know, it, it will be that Sunday night, not Monday afternoon or something like that. Um, although, I, you know, the, the, one of the other complaints I'm he- hearing about is how the only getting one off weekend this year through the whole series and um you know this you know easter sometimes is one of those weekends that they they used to be off you know so that's another thing they you know they could have found their way around that i'm sure somehow um you know they took a double header weekend away from pocono and that kind of screws up the whole schedule where they could have had an extra off date in there somewhere if they wouldn't have done that um but truthfully um when they put that dirt at Bristol, what people don't realize or some people don't realize is that that dirt doesn't just there for one weekend. It's there for like two months. Um, They bring in all kinds of great dirt racing action in the months that follow that. Um, So, you know, it's, it's great for that reason. Um, You know, I, some people say, well, you shouldn't have the dirt at Bristol, but I think that's, that's one reason like they like doing it is because now they can have sprint cars there and modifieds there and so on and so forth. It's one of those things I keep going back and forth on. I think uh, a lot of people are pumped up after this past weekend's race at Bristol. You know, why would they ever put dirt back on this track? There are plenty of other dirt tracks around the country that they could go to. They could go to North Wilkesboro and lay the dirt there and bring that track back. Um, I don't know. When it gets back to April next year, I'll probably be excited again. Um, right now I'm kind of in the, like, hopefully they just do this one more year and then maybe find a permanent venue to where they don't have to spend, you know, a million dollars to truck dirt in. But as you just mentioned, it's there for a couple of months there and I'm sure they make their money back between the TV money and the cup race and bringing in those thousands and thousands of, uh, dirt racers from around the country that wanted a chance to race on uh, such a historic track that Bristol Motor Speedway is, um, Moving down through again, just kind of going through some highlights of this 2022 schedule. Just worth mentioning that Darlington continues to get a second date this year. So they'll be racing again on May 8th with the throwback weekend. Um, Texas is going to continue continue to host the All-Star Open and All-Star Race. That's going to be coming up on May 22nd. Um, The Coca-Cola 600 will be May 29th of this year. 
and the new race date here. So you just kind of tipped it off there that Pocono Raceway will be losing one of its two race dates. Last year they held a double header. The last two years they've held a double header at that track. Um, in 2022, they'll only have one race, and the other race from that weekend is going to Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, Sunday, June 5th. This is a racetrack that has been a staple with the uh, Truck Series and Xfinity Series in the past, and a lot of people have been clamoring to get a race out there. Um, it's mostly known as Gateway within the last couple of years. Worldwide Technology kind of took over the naming rights, so you'll kind of hear people say both, Gateway or uh WWT Raceway, various names there. So the Cup Series is going to head out there. So this race um, is in the St. Louis area. So yeah. are you excited? Madison, 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 Illinois, just across the river. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I am and I'm not. I mean, the trucks have raced there. So we and, and I think they had Xfinity there for a while, too. So we know kind of what the racing is like there. But I, I, I don't think the racing is real good there yet. You know, so um who knows what they can do it's a flatter track um uh, and uh i want to say the word thinner like uh you know it, it definitely will have a lot of close quarter kind of racing um hopefully there's well once again we're gonna be running a new car there so <laughs> how yeah, it could be totally there? different yeah totally different uh when they do hit each other and they're not gonna be banging each other up as much so it, it, you know what once again we gotta make a change we're gonna try see try some different things and see what happens um you know, we'll, we'll wait till we get to that weekend and see how it goes, you know. And honestly, this one's going to be a lot on the fans in that area. If they come out and support this cup race and they sell out the stands, then you know it was a success. Um, if they don't show up, then maybe they'll have a second thought. I'm sure it'll be on the 2023 schedule at least because we at least want to try things a couple of times. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you think you called it thinner, uh, narrower. People have mentioned the track layout maybe being a little bit similar to Darlington, at least being narrow and that kind of stuff, bankings and stuff, that's a little bit different. So um, I'm looking forward to it just because it's new. Um, sad to see Pocono lose a race. I did think when they went to the doubleheader, um, I mean, I, I, th I thought it was exciting just in the fact that we got two races in one weekend, so I was never going to turn that away. Um, but I'm personally, and I feel bad because we did have uh, a representative from Pocono on our podcast a little bit earlier this year that was yeah, an amazing yeah, Kevin. guest, Kevin. Yeah. So, um, but I'm okay if Pocono gets one weekend and they sell out their, their stands there and they turn it into the biggest weekend that they can, and we know they will because that team is dedicated to doing that. So um, sad to see them lose a race date. Happy to see this race come on the schedule just because it's something new and we'll try it out. Uh, moving on after that, Nashville Super Speedway is going to return to the Cup Series again uh, for a second year. Uh, they, I know they have a multi-year deal with that track. I know people are still kind of clamoring to get the short track out there in Nashville on the schedule, but that still seems like it's could be in the works, couldn't be in the works. There's a lot of politics involved in that. So um, they're going to be back there at Nashville Super Speedway out there on that concrete oval Sunday, June 26. Um, back again at Road America for the July 4th weekend. This race will be on July 3rd, Sunday, July 3rd. You were out there at Road America. Do you think they deserve to stay on the schedule for a, another year here? Yeah, that place is uh, pretty nice. Uh, the, 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 the track itself is pretty cool. The, the fan involvement is really cool. Um, you know, it didn't go well for Ryan per se, but uh, the racing action itself is really, really good there. So, yeah, I, I think uh, Road America should hang out for a while and be on the schedule for a while. 
Coming up that next weekend, July 10th, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. We didn't mention it, but they are also earlier in the schedule, and this is their second date, so they're keeping their second date at Atlanta. They're also going to be debuting earlier in the year in 2022 that brand new racetrack. Uh, they're changing the banking totally, adding higher banking into the curb there in the curves there at Atlanta. They're narrowing the track in certain spots. So um, I know those two race races we have circled on our schedule. So uh, unless it's a total fiasco or something early on in the year, we're most likely going to both of those Atlanta races, and I'm excited to see what kind of racing is produced with the new cars and this new track layout that they're going to be bringing in. So again, Darlington has two race dates again. Atlanta has two race dates again. Historically, the last several years, those are two tracks that we're only visiting once a year. Um, Moving on, like we just mentioned, Pocono has one date with the Cup Series, July 24th. Uh, that'll be that one date for them. And then the following weekend, we are returning again to Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but once again on the road course. Um, has been some rumblings, though, when this schedule was released that from Indianapolis Motor Speedway itself that they still, after this next race, might consider going back to the Oval again. Just I don't know if it's just because of fan feedback or what. Um, if this race turns out amazing, maybe they'll reconsider again. I've also heard maybe they'll rotate through one year. It's the oval one year. It's the road course. Personally, I think they need to stick with one or the other. Um, I don't remember what I said on the, the week leading up and the week after uh, podcast about Indianapolis, but I do think the, the Brickyard 400 should be out on the oval and come back. But um, you went to Indianapolis motor speedway again to see this road course race. It is worth mentioning that Ryan finished second. So maybe I do want them to stay on the road course. I don't know. I, you know, the road course is fine. What happened with the curbing there um, and the issue they had with that curbing, that's a whole other story. That's something that they need to adjust and figure out how to make better. Um, that, that, uh, so these guys don't mess with that curbing. So the curbing doesn't come up. So they don't run over it in that manner. Um, almost like you have to put a wall up or something, you know, so you race the damn track the way you're supposed to and not, you know, create, <laughs> cre- create your own lanes, uh, or go, you know, Dukes to hazard style jumping up over curbs. So, you know, I-, I thought the racing itself was really good. I mean, they dive bombed into one there at the end, cause you had a couple restarts at the end. Um, and that made, uh, made it kind of exciting, um, but the track itself, as far as a road course and you know places to pass and so on and so forth, we're, we're uh, pretty good racing, really. So, Steve, and then coming up next, the next wrinkle in the schedule here is just the fact that the second, the fall race date at Richmond Raceway moves out of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. It moves back to Sunday, August 14th. So that is, Yay! <laughs> so it's moving out. We won't have to worry about that. Ryan did score a top 10 finish a couple of weeks ago at Richmond, his best career finish there. Uh, but now there won't be as much pressure uh, on, on Ryan or the 12 team in the playoffs next year, uh, willing that they do make it, they make it in without any problems. So it moves out of the playoffs. And as we'll kind of jump back in through there, you'll see which track gets added in. But uh, I can tell already you're, you're okay with this move. Yeah, I, I, no offense to Richmond, um, you know, but the track itself with these types of cars and the way they race these cars, uh, it, it makes it hard to pass after a while. They get spread out and, you know, they can spray anything they want on that track and it just doesn't seem to help develop a second groove or a way of passing somebody. And it makes 
whether you're there live or not. And that's the thing is I've seen a race or two live there now too. And it just never got to be real exciting. Um, if they want to really try something, how about adding some progressive banking to the turns where they can get some momentum going up and down into the straightaways that, that, that might do be something cool that could uh, help their help the track. So those last three races of the regular season will be at Richmond on August 14th. We head out to Watkins Glen, another road course race on the 21st. And then once again, for the second straight year, we're going to be ending the regular season with the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway, August 27th. I know a lot of people have been sad that that has moved away from that July 4th weekend, but um, moving it to that last race of the regular season has created tons of fireworks on its own outside of the month of July. And obviously this past race there, Ryan Blaney went to victory lane. So, um, and we were there <laughs> if you didn't, didn't already know, we haven't talked about it enough. So, um, are you still good with the, the cutoff race for the regular season, deciding that championship and, and the final drivers to make it into the playoffs being on a, uh, tapered spacer speedway track? Yeah, either that or a real short, short track. One of the two where you, you know, some drama can happen within the last couple turns. You know, Heck. another thing. Once again, talking about fans and watching on TV. What do fans like to see? Uh, crashes, uh, safe crashes. They don't want to see people get hurt or injured. Yeah. But uh, you know, this definitely encourages uh, what we saw that day. You know, uh, how many guys were in that last pack that? if they would have won, would have made the, made the playoffs. I think there were four or five guys. So, you know, uh, hopefully nobody ever gets hurt doing this, but uh, yeah, it definitely is going to add to the drama every year. So we move now into the playoffs round of 16 will be kicked off once again with the Southern 500 September 4th at Darlington raceway. As I mentioned, Darlington two race dates again this year. Um, Got to check out the Southern 500 in person this year. If you have a chance to go, go to that track. We move on to that second race of the round of 16 with the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas and then rounding out again, just like we did this year, the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. So now, yeah, now the first round actually sets up good for Ryan. (laughs) Yes, they've they've swapped to the, the tracks a little bit there. So we got Darlington, Kansas, Bristol, all three tracks. I mean, Darlington of them, Darlington's the one where Ryan's the shakiest, I would say. Right. Uh, but, but finishing it off with Kansas and Bristol, that's yeah. that's a pretty nice setup. Yeah, Kansas is one of those ones where, uh, you know, and, and they'll have qualifying back next year where they'll qualify up near the front and, uh, you know, has a chance, he has a chance to win. Like any of the mile and a half, he has a chance to win, so. Then we move into the round of 12, Sunday September, Sunday, September 25th with the Echo Park Automotive 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Go into the month of October for that second race of that round, October 2nd at Talladega Super Speedway. October 9th, we finish off that round of 12 with the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So fairly decent round of 12. It can be a little bit dangerous. Again, with Talladega in the middle there, Ryan does have two victories at that track, but it's still kind of a wild card at times. And the Charlotte Roval, he obviously has a win there, uh, has finished well there in the past. Uh, we'll see what he does this year. He didn't have uh, uh, as great of results in, in some of these races at the Roval since his victory, but he does have a, a top five since. So we'll see what he does there. So that's that second round of the playoffs. How do you think that that will work out for Ryan? Yeah, well, you know, Talladega Talladega. Is, once again, it's a crapshoot, but on the other hand, uh, Right now, Ryan is one of the top guys as far as plate racing 
in the series. So uh, Texas, once again, another mile and a half uh, where Ryan's led a lot of laps there. So, you know what, pick them up, knock them down, take what you can get. Um, they could be in good position before they even get to the end of the round, you know? So now we move on to the round of eight Sunday, October 16th with the South point 400 at Las Vegas motor speedway. So Las Vegas moves down uh, into the round of eight. They're in the round of 12 this year, obviously, because that's the race this weekend. Uh, this next race in this round, I'm very excited for. Uh, this is you, the one you like, yeah. If you just if you weren't sure what had happened to Homestead Miami Speedway, they have moved it back into its rightful place, at least close enough to it in the playoffs. So Homestead was kind of shoved into that early part of March last year in the schedule. Um, that's another drivable track for us. We've gone to Homestead the last few years. Uh, was really really sad when it, they they took the championship weekend away from it. But I think uh, moving it back into the fall, uh, a little bit better weather, and back into the playoffs where I think it deserves to be. So you'll you'll see the Dixie Vodka 400 Sunday October 23rd at Homestead Miami Speedway, and then rounding out that playoff round of eight, uh, just like we will this year, we got the Xfinity 500 October 30th 2022 at Martinsville Speedway. Um, Fairly decent round there. Ryan's good at Las Vegas. Uh, it's pretty decent at Homestead. Not amazing. Uh, really good at Martinsville as well. So, uh, again, if he just keeps kind of rolling through, the round set up a little bit better for the 12 team in 2022. Next year's playoffs are, you know, pretty exciting when you look at all the mile and a half and the way they've kind of stacked them in each round. Um, you know, Ryan should do really well next year too. And then finally for the second year in the row, uh, would this be the third? The third year in a row? <laughs> the third year in a row. We'll be um, mm-hmm. finishing up the NASCAR Cup Series season no, Sunday, November 6th with the NASCAR Cup Series championship race out there in Arizona at Phoenix Raceway. It's not a short track. It's not an intermediate track. It's kind of in the middle. Uh, but sometimes it's exciting. Yeah, they've got... Um... You know, what's interesting as you watch this season go on um, and we get down to the final four, um, you know, ever since they've come up with this format, when you get down to the last weekend, uh, the champion usually wins the race, (laughs) you know? Yep. So, I mean, it's never anybody else from the outside looking in. It's one of those four guys and whoever makes it that far, you're going to see you know, four guys just battling it out all day long for the championship. And I don't think it really matters what track they go to. Um, Phoenix, you know, right now this bit was a pretty good show in the last couple of years. So let's, let's hopefully, uh, keeps, uh, keeps doing that. And hopefully, uh, you know, Ryan is one of the ones we see there at the end. So again, that was just a quick run through the newly announced 2022 NASCAR cup series schedule. Cliff notes version. We're starting the race or starting the season off with the clash at the LA Coliseum, building a track out there, a temporary track out there at that iconic venue. Um, Pocono loses a date worldwide technology raceway moves into the schedule. Nashville returns on the schedule. Um, Homestead moves into the playoffs, so Richmond moves out of the playoffs. So just some incremental changes here and there. Coda moves up earlier in the year into March. So um, looking forward to 2022, a brand new car, uh, and hopefully Ryan Blaney will enter that season as the defending NASCAR Cup Series champion. Uh, Only we could at least hope that that happens. 
Uh, so, Steve, I think that really pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney, and you can catch us on our Instagram at team.blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and and Spotify podcasting apps. To close out the show, I want to remind you once again to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org, on Twitter at RBFamFoundation, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RBFamilyFoundation, and you can also find them on Instagram. And I know Steve... Um, coming up the month of October is an important uh, month for them when they're going to be hosting their Alzheimer's walks in a couple of locations is that correct? Yeah um, we got um, coming up in the next couple weeks in October here uh, at Youngstown uh, uh, with Team Kate Blaney and then Team Blaney in Charlotte will be doing their uh, walk to end Alzheimer's and uh, you know so go online check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation for the dates and the times and uh, how you can register and, and, and get yourself in there to help donate uh, to the, this uh, great cause and obviously you can go ahead and join those walks in person if you're in the Northeast Ohio area or if you're in the Charlotte area and I'm pretty sure you can also join up in uh, like I did last year with my wife and you can walk in this walk virtually uh, in your own park or in your own neighborhood or on your own treadmill uh, do anything you can Uh, I I like to say that that's the more important team Blaney to be paying attention to is when it comes to that walk to ends all walk to end Alzheimer's and uh, it goes to a great cause and helps support uh, Ryan Blaney and the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and the Alzheimer's Association. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time here on the team Blaney podcast. Good night, Dublin. Good night, Brussels.